Hello and welcome to the Story X Story podcast by Maya Mada, where we discuss stories across pop culture, plus give you advice on creating your own. It's episode number 23 on Thursday, the 16th of April. I'm your co-host, Nigel. I am a streamer and co-host, Taddy. I'm Gina. I'm the show's producer. And our guest today is Greg Driver from Ace Comicals. Greg, how are you? Hello. Yes. Uh, I'm great at the moment, actually. Cool. <laughs> I'm a whole great. can of monster great. So. <laughs> <laughs> that's like, that's the best great to be. Isn't yeah. It? Like, yeah. Yeah. That um, artificially powered great. Yeah. <laughs> um, Cool. So just to remind listeners that you can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcast. pretty much. You can always send your feedback to us and questions, um, my feedback at mymatter.com or on social media at mymatter on Twitter, at mymattertees on Instagram, or Tazzy on both. As usual, we're going to start with what's been happening in the My Matter universe. <laughs> So uh, if you've been listening to the last uh, few episodes, you'll know that uh, not much is happening just because not much is happening anywhere in the world due to the coronavirus and uh, lockdowns and all that stuff. But uh, we do have some, we've got news of news on the horizon. Uh, So we've been thinking about like how to sort of adapt in this new world where a lot of things are moving online and particularly with our gamepad event. So we did have an event scheduled for June, uh, which has had to be postponed. And we're hoping we're going to be able to sort of bring that back in the autumn. Uh, and just like anything sort of events wise, just keeping an eye on uh, government and uh, expert guidelines on when it's safe to do so. Uh, so once we know more, um, we will let people know. But in the meantime, we've been thinking about bringing the GamePad community online and perhaps putting together some events um, in the summer, quite possibly. So stay tuned for news of that. Other than that, uh, I've just been working on kind of making notes on our next manga, 11th Hour. Uh, I guess the the benefit, one of the benefits of, you know, being forced to stay inside um, all day every day is you get time to think about like writing and it just, it's, yeah, offered a, some free time to write our next manga so i've been kind of diving into that uh at some point we want to put together a kickstarter campaign and that will be sometime in the year uh, again all our schedules and plans have just been uh thrown uh, awry by this pandemic so yeah just bear with us and um yeah keep an eye out for news about gamepad uh, online in particular uh that's pretty much like uh, sort of the main things from a my meta perspective so uh tanya let's find out what everyone's story of the story of the pandemic let's say um so yeah this is the part where we have a spoiler free discussion about what stories everyone's been reading watching or playing um we'll start with our guests so greg well, um, you guys originally tapped me up to do this show uh, for the New Mutants. Oh, so... yeah, we should have said that as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the whole world has changed. Everything, everything's changed. <laughs> so the New Mutants, the, the film that was meant to come out, has been delayed. How many times has that film been delayed yeah, now? I know. It's, it's yeah. a running joke now. 
Exactly, yeah. So um, I'm sure the cast will be well into their 50s by the time the film actually hits the <laughs> cinema. But um, yeah, so we were supposed to be discussing New Mutants. So what I did was I went and purchased a massive stack of like classic New Mutants comics. I thought, oh, great excuse to like dig deep into some like old Chris Claremont X-Men stuff um, and some old Marvel comics. And I've just been like rattling through those basically just enjoying looking at the um the way old older comics are constructed versus comics today um and like the stylistic choices back then and things like that and um choices as far as the way that they put together the story and and feed you the story through the comics so like you get like a heck of a lot more narration um and i'm not sure because i mean like i've had discussions about this with other people i'm not sure if this is just because it's chris claremont and he would do that anyway because supposedly one of his signatures is like a lot of text in boxes a lot of narration and explanation but it feels like a universal thing throughout like older comics from like sort of like late 70s 80s where you get like these they they like they have less less faith in the artist maybe that the artist can tell the story like they're supposed to so they like they have the panel that the artist has drawn but then there will be like accompanying text that explains that and gives you some more flavor to that so like <laughs> you can see what's happening someone's getting punched but it'll be like with the force of 10 whatever this punch lands and you can see what's happening but they have to tell you what's happening as well and and i think that's um i think that's the thing with the method of how comics were made back then and things like that as well like the marvel method um and it's yeah it's just interesting to read all of that and obviously like to nerd out over these x-men characters and things and and yeah it's it's good fun um i, I think some of yeah. it might be like getting used to the medium as well and like you say just allowing the artist and so allowing the artist to tell the story but also trusting the reader that you know we can see <laughs> what's going on in this panel and the, the text yeah just to add I, the context i think like because the, the comic production back then it was more like the worry that the panel doesn't fully illustrate what the writer wanted it to illustrate so by the time the panels come back the 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 writer's like okay this isn't what exactly what i wanted but we can get around this by doing this (laughs) so it's kind of like a crutch almost i don't know but yeah 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 interesting (laughs) i've like i've only read a few comics and i can't say i've read many like old comics so I have no clue. <laughs> I can't add anything to that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's all there. There's a whole world of it on um, comicsology and stuff. You can kind of like trawl through. I mean, yeah. that's just that's just me. I'm I'm like an enormous comics nerd. Hence the podcast purely about comics. <laughs> but <laughs> did not give it away at all. Honestly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Awesome. Um, yeah, sorry to disappoint you. Uh, not doing the new mutants. Well, I don't know why I'm apologising. I'm not yeah, the one delay it. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't delay yeah, it. I, I, yeah. <laughs> it's not my fault. Okay. <laughs> Rid yourself of that guilt. Yeah. I might back anyway. So. <laughs> um, Gina. Uh, I've been playing Animal Crossing which was like a big topic last time I was on a podcast so 
that's still relevant it's nice to know um there's not really much to animal crossing i guess but i am annoyed that like i've literally got like all my islanders basically now and i still haven't got the able sisters shop so i'm not sure what i've done wrong but apparently i played animal crossing wrong so that's something (laughs) (laughs) the real real question i've got here with this is because apparently you can like design your own island can't you yeah and I've seen some really cool and interesting things that people have done with that, like where they've made it like look like parts of the Legend of Zelda and stuff like that, or Mario levels and stuff. Oh my god, yeah, people do like amazing things with their island. Mine's literally a like rubbish dump. It's so <laughs> ugly. I'm just like, oh, that'll fit there. Just put that there. Like, yeah, I'll buy the cheapest bridge so I don't have to spend any more bells on anything. So, well, you've, you've got a mortgage to pay you can't just go just throwing bells away on bridges exactly like, i was like well you know what a bridge is gonna work it, it doesn't matter if it's the ugly bridge it's still gonna work so i think i'll spend my bells on on renovating my house instead can i just say like how jealous i am like i'm really battling with myself to buy it um and i'm like you can't like funds us short at the moment yeah there's a whole load of like work that I'm not doing and I'm like animal crossing (laughs) I think I was in the same boat but like all my friends got it and because we can't physically see each other I was like well I'm going to the islands at least it's the next best thing I guess (laughs) yeah Get Zoom. People should hold like office meetings, work like yeah. when they're working from home <laughs> through Animal Crossing. <laughs> I've seen a lot of birthday parties on Animal Crossing. Yeah, on oh, my really? friends doing one um next Monday. We've got like a dress up theme. We've all got to make like cosplays in the game. Oh, okay. <laughs> After this podcast, that's it. I'm buying it. I'm buying it. <laughs> to be fair, like I was supposed to be at a retro um bottomless brunch over on on sunday and like obviously i got a refund from that so i can animal crossing right yeah obviously okay cool yeah it's like i got some you know train (laughs) refund tickets i was like oh i've got the money now so (laughs) all right there we go just i'm not gonna argue with that logic i'm I'm not gonna argue with that at all (laughs) I probably should, but <laughs> no, do it. Okay, I'm gonna treat myself. <laughs> the money would have been spent anyway. Spend it on something else. Exactly. <laughs> if you got the refund, you know why not? Yeah. yeah. Probably spend out less money because I feel like even though it was bottomless brunch, I'd ultimately want to buy a drink that was not on the bottomless brunch. Yeah. Um, I just want, just for the record, just I had no part in this decision. This is all you guys, just so people know. <laughs> You didn't stop me. I, I'm, I removed myself from it. I mean, I'm not part of this. I'm not here to stop anyone from doing anything. Just... <laughs> <laughs> well, do you know what? I have. It's not like I'm not occupied as well. So I started The Witcher Three. Yay! <laughs> um, which is what I've been uh, playing. I guess I played like two hours of it, but I'm busy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah hopefully i'll be continuing that tomorrow um but yeah i have played two hours of it and i'm already in love with it uh but i guess that's not surprising considering i love the show i'm on like my fourth time watching the show um and i'm upset that it took me this long to get round to playing 
any of the Witcher games. But also, I feel like it's helped me because I'm not like, who's that? You know? Um, And I feel like this is a great way for me to play games. Um, Especially when I'm streaming them. Obviously, I get distracted by chat a lot. Um, That's a good thing. I love being distracted by chat. Um, But I, I do miss some of the story or I'm not as focused on some of the story. But having watched and read The Witcher, it's way easier. It's like I can focus on learning the game uh, rather than all of the characters' names, <laughs> which is pretty cool. Um, but yeah, Nigel, what about you? Uh, so uh, the one I wanted to shout out is Avatar Last Airbender. Uh, so I've known about this uh, the series for a while, but just never never got into it and the reason i started is um again with all this free time i've been watching a lot of uh like series on uh, on youtube around storytelling and sort of character development and and world building so i've been watching a few particular uh, youtubers and every so often the avatar would come up as an example of just like really good storytelling and it got to a point where it was like mm, okay let me because people just keep going on about this show let me see what the fuss is about so I started watching it and I watched the first, it's three three seasons, I've watched the first one. And it's really good. Like it's 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 really, really good. It's like a so it's on it, it's on Nickelodeon and I think it, it I don't know how old it is. It's it's quite been, old. Yeah, it's quite old. Like, so I'll admit but it's it's uh, it's like two thousand five or something. Yeah, early two thousands. Yeah, so I, you know, hold my hands up. I'm very late to this party, but I'm here. Like, I got here. So, yeah, it's just uh, the story about, as it says, the last airbender, Ang, And you kind of have this, I guess, this journey because there's a whole legend around him and you've got these different nations. You've got uh, the Fire Nation that's, you know, causing all sorts of uh, chaos in this in this big war. You've got the Water Nation uh, and the, the two other main characters are from the Water Nation and you've got the what's the other one earth and an air so the legend is like the the last airbender is the avatar who will uh sort of bring balance uh to the world that is being uh sort of dominated by the fire nation uh, and ang is uh discovered by these other two characters uh oh, i forget the names i'm terrible with names soccer uh, and... it's like katara Guitar, yeah, Katara yeah, and Sokka. It's like yeah. brother and sister pair. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, they discover him and they sort of like go on this journey. And it's about this 12-year-old kid, um, and well, technically 112 years old because he was frozen for 100 years when he was 12. So uh, I think those years still count. Uh, but yeah, so they go on this journey. And it's just a really good, it's a really good show in terms of, from a t- storytelling perspective because they've managed to get I'm always impressed when they manage when any creators manage to get like good themes into a into a kid's show uh because a lot of time sort of you know you can dismiss kids shows as being simple but if you can distill complex things around like friendship around sort of uh sort of trying and and sort of that whole never give up um but then also quite heavy themes around like uh sort of totalitarianism um sort of like war uh that whole thing relationships between like characters when you can put all that into such a good 
entertaining show that mixes those heavy moments with moments of comedy. Um, yeah, it's it's really impressive and world building as well. So as it progresses, you start to realise more about this war that's happening, more about the different players, uh, and it it doesn't just do the like the, the good guy bad guy. You kind of the, even the the quote unquote bad guys have some depth to them, and you kind of get to see some of uh, their motivations as well. So yeah, I'm just like really impressed and and taking mental notes uh, as I go with that. So if anyone else is also super late to this uh, Avatar party. Uh, please join me because it's a really good show. And, I yeah. actually am. I, yeah. I'm in the same. I haven't started oh it, but like God. I haven't watched it either. And all my friends are like, because they, they want to cosplay it, and they're like, "Well, you're gonna have to watch it then." Yeah. And I've also been putting it off for like all oh, this time. I think I, I just really didn't good. like. I feel like I couldn't because I was so late to the party. But if no. you've done it, Nigel, then yeah, yeah. I'm I, so I'm, shocked. I'm <laughs> <laughs> I, I, was... I hate. I, I hate looking up how old shows are. Yeah, <laughs> it just makes me feel ancient, and knowing this is 15 years old is just like, yeah. Oh my gosh, but um, yeah, I mean, like, I loved, I, I love this show. Um, it's all on Netflix, isn't it now? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Well, majority of it, I think, is is like one but, season missing or something, or is it all there now? I can't remember. I, I think all, all there. of the last Airbender is. Yeah, um, yeah. I just have to point out as well, like, so the last Airbender is great. And then you still get even more to look forward to because the legend of Korra is like Okay. Amazing. Like and it yeah. just oh my god. And then and then there's the comics on top of that. Because <laughs> it's like an expa- yeah, they've got they've, they've published a load of comics as well. I'm getting into all kind of that. Of like extra stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, how far in are you anyway, Nigel? How far through Airbender? Uh so I, I finished the the first season. Of it, oh so, my gosh yeah <laughs> just, the characters just grow like yeah I tell. it's one of the i feel like one of the few animes where the characters genuinely grow the way like in a realistic way like in terms of their their ca- yes. the, the character themselves and like, i think that comes from like you you see their motivations like what's driving them and then their actions uh sort of go from that so it, it's quite natural so they're, they're not they're not doing things that oh why would they do that you sort of understand why they're doing the things they're doing yeah and they like develop and i feel like a lot of just like entertainment in general has like a villain and a hero who live in their villain and mm. hero states permanently um yeah and there's a few that don't like have the characters stick to those two rigid roles but then there's even fewer that do it well mm. and um both uh avatar last airbender and the legend of korra really good at do it's just like people develop as people like characters develop as people not yeah. characters in a story and it's oh sorry iroh <laughs> yes oh my god iroh <laughs> Like my <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm I'm definitely yeah looking forward to watching more and reading the comics. I I just recommend it because it's good. But also if if you are someone who is uh, creating their own story, it it always helps to look at examples that are uh, of a high standard. So I recommend it on that on that basis as well. 
so yeah that's all the the stories that we've been uh watching and and reading and playing so we're now going to get on to our main story discussion and like Greg says this was supposed to be the new mutants uh podcast and like with this and a few of our upcoming shows we're having to sort of swap them out as uh cinema releases get delayed um to later this year or next year so we decided we would look back at a uh classic comic book film the dark knight which is the second of the christopher nolan trilogy uh which he directed and co-written starring christian bell and of course uh heath ledger so i'm gonna give a sort of recap uh, of the story but before i do i just want to get everyone's just quick takes quick impressions on the story uh, and of course uh spoiler alert for the dark knight if you haven't seen it by now i don't know what you're doing uh with yourself but uh we are gonna give uh go into deep spoilers uh, about a dark knight possibly joker and possibly gotham as well so you have been warned uh so greg just your what's your quick uh overall impressions of this film okay so when this movie dropped in 2008 i mean like i was already i'm i'm like full disclosure i'm i'm like a massive massive batman fan like the ratio like proport well the proportion of my comics collection that is batman is ridiculous like <laughs> so but like when this when this movie dropped in is it it's 2008 wasn't it i think it was nine was it 2009 oh no it might you might be right actually it was because it came out the same year as iron man um i feel like it was 2008 yeah i think you might be right yeah well when when this movie dropped anyway i was like huge huge like i've been reading like loads of batman leading up to it and stuff and um it i think i I still think these the the nolan trilogy are actually the best three batman films that have been that have ever been made and i think of those three this is the best one Mm. um and it's the one that i will revisit most frequently out of the three of them um i think it's got well, up until recently, because now you could say that it's contested by um, Joaquin Phoenix, but I think it's got possibly the best representation of the Joker on the screen, or what people say is the best representation of the Joker on the screen. I don't know if Joaquin Phoenix has taken the crown. I don't know if people's opinions have changed, but... Yeah, we'll um, get into that. Yeah. Okay. Um, so my first impressions is, yeah, I, I absolutely love this film, but I'm massively biased because I love Batman. So <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, we can we can accept bias on this show. Yeah. Um, yeah. Tanya, what do you what do you think? What do you remember from uh, this film? Um, so it's been a while since I watched it. I didn't manage to catch it again because things were not working. Um, but uh, I remember the Joker being frightening. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I also oh, have like a bias as well because I'm scared of clowns, so obviously, like, uh, but this rendition of the Joker was particularly frightening. Um, and I remember, like, I remember having like a lot of feelings watching this. <laughs> <laughs> um, and like a lot My feelings, of, mixed feelings, um, like enjoyable to watch, but a lot of pain. So I think I've I've, I've mentioned it more than once on this yeah. podcast. <laughs> 
that I really take on emotions. So watching darker things can affect me quite a bit. Um, but I mean, I feel like this took me on a journey that was still enjoyable to watch and wasn't like a, uh, I can't deal with it. But um, yeah, definitely. The I remember the um, the scene in the hospital where his face is like half burnt. Oh, Harvey Dent. Yeah, and yeah. um, oh, damn, that got me. Yeah. But yeah, <laughs> but again, I've not watched it recently, so it's a very uh, distant kind of okay impression. We, yeah. we may dig up some memories along this journey, so just I, yeah. probably yeah yeah. <laughs> um, cool. So I um. Uh, yeah, so my own bias is uh, I really like Batman and I really like this film. So when it came out, and pretty much in the sort of decade um, or over a decade of this DC, other DC films, obviously the the MCU's kind of blown up uh, since then. And whenever anyone would ask me, you know, so what's your favorite? Uh, comic book uh, film or you know the latest uh, MCU film that came out how do you rank it I would always give the caveat that you know I think this is really good but setting aside the dark knight because for me that just stands head and shoulders above pretty much anything uh, and that was my feeling sort of at the time and the years that followed and uh, so I re-watched it uh, this week or this weekend. I don't know, time is an artificial construct and I don't know where we are today. But uh, I watched it recently, um, someday, and uh, I sort of asked myself, do I still feel the same way? And yes, yeah, <laughs> I do. I, I feel this is such a good film that for the most part, I feel stands. So I think the only a couple films that maybe come close to it uh, for me personally are Joker and um logan in terms of like the quality of film but uh, for me dark knight is still the best uh, comic book film there is um by a, a good margin and a lot of that is down to uh, the joker but also some of the themes that uh, are portrayed throughout the story so yeah i'm gonna enjoy this discussion because uh, i'm just glad to have a chance to re-watch it uh, and talk about it can I but, just um sorry oh, am yeah. I the only one who the Dark Knight is not their favorite in this trilogy? Oh, in this trilogy, yes, possibly, yeah. <laughs> I think it's the best. I I also think it's the best of the trilogy. I think I, I did yeah. like um no Batman Begins is really good like that that could have been like yeah the best and I guess Dark Knight Rises fell a bit short but I feel part of that was just because of the the high standard that had been set by the Dark Knight. Mine is literally in correlation with the order they came out. So Batman Begins is my favourite. But also, like, do you know, it's one of those things. It's I don't know if it's just because of when it came out. Yeah. Uh, and it's sort of like connection, uh, like to my, I guess, like emotions during the time it came out or not. Okay. But and then The Dark Knight was good. But I fell asleep when I watched The Dark Knight Rises in the cinema. Right. <laughs> I need to add that I had just done a 12-hour <laughs> shift, had like a half an hour nap, okay. got ready <laughs> and come out and seen it. So but it wasn't all down to... <laughs> it wasn't all down to it, but also like I can be really, really tired. And if a film is captivating enough, it doesn't matter how tired I am, I will stay awake. Yeah. 
so I, I was awake for the trailers. I couldn't sleep during the trailers before the film. <laughs> so the trailers were captivating before the film. Uh, and the film was good, but just... Yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. Yeah, Not good enough to yeah. keep me awake. <laughs> I'd, say, I'd say it's definitely my favourite of the three. Mm. And, I mean, I've got things I love about all three of these movies. Um, there's a bit in... Um, like one of my favorite things because the scarecrow is like one of my favorite members of batman's uh rogue gallery mm. um so i like i like harvey dent harvey two-face i like the scarecrow and um what they do with the scarecrow in the first movie in batman begins um there's a particular scene in there that stands out that i really really like because it's almost ripped frame for frame from well, I don't want to say frame for frame because that's a bit of an exaggeration, but it's like it's so closely based on something that happens in Batman the Animated Series. Right. With the Scarecrow trying to poison the water supply via a water main below Arkham. I think um, I remember that scene. Yeah. So. And, and like with the, the bust main and they're like pouring the they're pouring the poison directly into mm. the main, aren't they? I can't remember precisely because it's been a while since the watch begins, but um that's almost ripped straight from TAS and like that's standout moment for me. But then in the, uh, the dark Knight rises, the standout moment is Bane breaking Batman's back mm. because iconic the iconic moment. nightfall stuff, the iconic moment of Bane smashing Batman in half. But then like, you've got the, um, the, the, the dark Knight is the whole film for me is, rather than there being like a couple of standout moments and it being a good film, like the other two are, the whole film for me is a standout moment because of how much it actually takes from various places. It feels more of a labor of love Mm. and more in tune with the source material than the other two do, which I think is why I gel with it more. Yeah, I get that. Okay, we're yeah. gonna we're gonna get into this. So, uh, and first, I'm gonna give a recap just in case there are people that uh, might not have seen it as recently as uh, Greg and myself, and just need a little reminder about the story. So, a gang of masked criminals pull a heist on Gotham City Bank, killing each other one by one until only the Joker remains and escapes. Meanwhile, Bruce Wayne believes that with District Attorney Harvey Dent as Gotham's protector, he can finally retire from being Batman. Mob bosses hold a video conference with their crooked accountant, Lau. The Joker interrupts the meeting, showing them a magic trick before warning that the real problem is a Batman unhindered by the law. He offers a solution, kill Batman. The bosses decline and the mob boss Gamble puts a bounty on the Joker. However, the Joker later kills Gamble and the group decide to take up the Joker up on his offer. The Joker threatens to kill people unless Batman reveals his identity. And in an, in an attempt to, by the Joker to kill Mayor Anthony Garcia, James Gordon sacrifices himself. Bruce decides to reveal his secret identity to prevent any more deaths. Before he does, however, Harvey Dent announces that he is the Batman and is taken into productive, productive custody. The Joker attacks his police convoy, but is apprehended by Gordon. During an interrogation of the Joker, Batman learns that Harvey and Rachel are being held in separate locations, rigged to explode. Batman races to save Rachel, but arrives only to realise that the Joker has sent him to Dent's location instead. Rachel was killed in the explosion and Dent disfigured. The Joker escapes prison with Lau, 
and burns his share of the money. Coleman Reese, an accountant at Wayne Enterprises, threatens to reveal Batman's identity to the public. The Joker threatens to destroy a hospital unless Reese is killed. So hospitals are evacuated and a Joker, disguised as a hospital nurse, convinces Dent to, to, to seek revenge for Rachel's death. Dent goes on a killing spree while the Joker places explosives on two ferries evacuating citizens and prisoners. Each ferry has a detonator for explosives on the other and the Joker informs passengers that he will destroy both boats at midnight if neither has blown the other up. So Batman uses an enhanced sonar device to spy on the entire city in an effort to find the Joker in time. Neither boat blows the other up and Batman apprehends the Joker after a fight. But the Joker gloats that Gotham will soon lose hope once Dent's rampage becomes public knowledge. Gordon and Batman discover Dent holding Gordon's wife and son at gunpoint. Batman tackles Dent, killing him before persuading Gordon to let Batman take responsibility for the killing spree in order to preserve Dent's heroic image. This leads to a manhunt for Batman, the hero Gotham deserves, but not the one it needs right now. The end. And I guess we talked about it just before recording, the inspiration for this story. So I know I've read The the Killing Joke, but Greg, you mentioned The Long Halloween and the influences on this story. Yeah, so um, although um, The the, the Killing Joke is a definite influence because it always is when the Joker seems to be involved. So um, it's more down to what they do is they take the, the... the one bad day um kind of theme or philosophy that's like um rampant throughout the killing joke the whole idea that one bad day can be the difference between um sanity and you know this this kind of like just like all loss of morality and then society yeah this this kind of caricature of modern society that the joker possibly represents yeah um and you know one bad day can can make you it can make you break your rules it can turn order to chaos it can it can do it and 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 that is kind of what is going on here with the joker and what the joker in this movie attempts to apply to harvey dent but on a a, i think the film takes more sort of like story-wise, atmosphere-wise and everything else from a book called The Long Halloween, which is Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale. Um, now, from from this book, the, the film gets its... Um, the, the wider... Th- I mean, like, a, a lot of people, I think... I'm probably going to derail you here by doing this, but a lot of people, I think, get the um, get the impression that this movie is mainly about the joker but i disagree with them because i believe that it's more to do with harvey dent and harvey dent's downfall and actually about how gotham is changing because if you look at it in the wider scheme in its place in the trilogy with the other two stories you've got um batman begins and then which is like batman's beginnings which is um there's a lot of batman year one stuff in there and everything else Mm. Um, and then you get to uh, this one, which is the Dark Knight, which has um, it's the transition of Gotham from a um, a corrupt city run by organized crime to a city of darkness and chaos um, 
with the uh, the criminal element, this this new criminal element, devoid of morality, um, the, these uh, these costumed freaks, as uh, they are referred to occasionally within the movie and things like that, um, taking over Gotham and in, in imposing their own brand of uh, or trying to impose their own brands of order and their own what they perceive to be the rightful natural order of things or whatever or, or what they believe they stand for and things like that and trying to impose that on gotham the city yeah um and it's kind of like the whole uh i mean even the point that alfred makes with um the uh the mobsters themselves turning to the joker for help turning to a man that they don't fully understand oh yeah just we said yeah. before he says maybe you don't understand him either yeah. to bruce yeah. yeah they've 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 turned to a man that they don't fully understand and that is kind of like what's happening within in the book the long halloween as well because throughout the book um you've got the uh the the, the crime families the moronis and the falconis turning to um the costumed criminal element of gotham for help trying to figure out who the holiday killer is mm. so because you've got this uh this this it's a it's a like a, a noir detective mystery so you've got this killer the holiday killer um and he kills people on holidays throughout the year so like uh um uh, valentine's day christmas etc um and he's picking off members of the crime families the moronis and the, the falconis and they're trying to figure out who this is and um they're employing um different elements of the costume criminal element to try and help them gain an upper hand with something or to figure out who the killer is so they get the riddler to try and help them figure out the riddle of who the killer is uh, they employ ivy to make sure a, a financial deal goes through uh, with wayne enterprises and things like that and and you can if you read the long halloween you can actually see um the bare bones of the dark knight Mm. um it's it's all there like this is the framework and what they've done is if you imagine that this is like two lego sets so you've got the long halloween is one lego set and the killing joke is another lego set and what you do is you just take a small portion of the killing joke lego set you've got the whole long halloween lego set and you build something entirely different that's not in the instructions for the lego set <laughs> yeah that's a good yeah. analogy and i you, love um, that analogy and you said it other things just so you know. yes you said it within the real world as well. Yeah. So what Nolan's tried to do is he's tried to take the, um, he's taken Batman and like this is probably like a really heavy-handed way of saying it, but he's taken the whole Batman mythos and he stripped the whimsy from it. <laughs> yeah, no, because it's a very yeah. grounded story. Yeah, grounded to the point where Dent loses his half his face in an explosion because I think they should have kept the acid because like the original thing with Dent is he gets a splash of acid to the face in the courtroom. Mm which there's a, like a there's like a fake out in the film where you think they're going to go for that and then he pulls a gun instead yeah. and that's the whole like if you want to kill me you buy american thing where he disassembles the gun in front of him yeah, but yeah. um <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like that that's like kind of like the, i i see that as like kind of like a fake out for the acid thing where they were going to chuck acid in his face um and i remember being in the cinema and thinking are they doing the acid they're going to do the acid uh, um okay. but yeah like I actually feel like to to the point where I feel like an acid the acid attack disfiguring dent would have been more believable than the explosion. 
yeah, I guess it was not quite maybe a bit contrived that we sort of fell and had to be in that position. Um, yeah, I can see that a little bit, but it, it's interesting. That, being able to get up afterwards. <laughs> oh, yeah. OK, yeah. Good yeah, point. Yeah, that as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it's interesting you mentioned uh, Dan has been really important um, in this story. And like you say, a story that's not necessarily about the Joker. And I kind of I get what you mean. I feel like from um, from like an actor performance role, it, this is the Joker's movie. Oh, but in oh, terms of way. like the theme uh, of the film, I see what you mean. And I feel like I didn't quite pick this up on the first time I, uh, I watched it. But I remember some of uh, a bit of like negative feedback on his film is that like Two-Face wasn't in it enough. Uh, and he was kind of discarded in a sense because uh, he eventually... He eventually dies but on watching it again i realized that he is so important to the theme of this film and like you say just just bringing him down um and and taking him from the the white knight to this just vengeful uh killer uh, at the end but they're needing to uphold that that white knight uh, ideal and it's so important to the theme of the film that yeah. i understand why he had to go in yeah. that direction it's the distilling of him into like his black white judge jury executioner thing that he does when he yeah. becomes two-faced with the flipping of the coin and if you think about it um if you really want to get like deep 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 into it you could say that the joker and batman are the uh the devil and the angel on harvey dent's shoulders <laughs> yeah actually yeah you're right because you know, batman's trying to pull to him yeah batman's trying to because the whole thing's it's about duality it's about it, there's um, a lot of it yeah what they don't do in this film that they do in other other harvey dent stories as well is they don't explore the fact that this duality was present prior to the accident very oh, in, much in harvey dent specifically yeah right yeah because the in in other stories about harvey dent it's actually the fact that he already had this this uh this vengeful streak this anger that he struggled to control that yeah. then manifests itself as a whole separate personality when he becomes Two-Face. Right. I feel like they tried to get some of it in because there is a point before he becomes Two-Face where he he did almost yeah. go that route with one of the, I can't remember, uh, I think one of Joker's sort of lackeys. He's interrogating the guy, yeah. Yeah, and he kind of, he's going a bit too far and, and Bruce has yeah. to pull him back and, and he even says like, I can't remember the exact line, but, you know, he says, like, if you go down this route, sort of every criminal that you've put in jail, they'll we'll be, be out. Released and onto the streets. Yeah. yeah. So you do kind of uh, touch on that, I guess. And you do get the feeling when you're watching that scene because, you know, it's a double headed coin at that point. Yeah. You already know it's a double headed coin. So, you know, because he says heads, um, you know, like if he heads i'm not going to shoot you so you know that he's not going to shoot the guy he's just trying to intimidate him yeah you know the but path you, he's already taken yeah but it, you also get the feeling that if one of those if the one side of that coin was scuffed maybe this would go differently <laughs> like so it's there but the the but it's not there yet and it's i mean they only they only do that once and i think that's probably down to constraints of like storytelling and everything else where the film's concerned yeah but i would have liked film as well yeah i would have liked to see more of that okay maybe a little bit more of that maybe a little bit more of that coming out like maybe dent going out and um doing something like 
going out and and trying to clean the streets up himself in like a a a, a, a Mac with like a, a a little pistol or something and a hat, you know, <laughs> covering his face, get, getting his getting his vigilante on a little bit or something <laughs> like that, and then and then realizing, but 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 doing it the wrong way, not like Batman does, like going lethal with it or something and sure. that kind of thing. Yeah, and then all of a sudden it begins to manifest itself fully as Two Face, more of a slow burn rather than the jarring. He's Harvey Dent. He's now Two Face. He's now yeah, yeah yeah. It's kind of a quick turn. I get that. Um, hmm. Okay, so I mean, like you say, it, the in terms of themes, like uh, Two Face is important, but certainly a lot of the uh, the buzz and then the reviews were focused on the Joker and the yeah. performance of uh, Heath Ledger. And yeah. just watching this back, because since this re- uh, was released, um, we've now seen Joker and Joaquin Phoenix. Uh, and I guess there's there's you know discussion there in terms of like the different portrayals and one of the things that sort of came to mind uh, for me and seeing them and thinking about uh, the Joker in, Nofe- uh, Joker in November is how that character was kind of used to reflect the fears of that time. Uh, so with Heath Ledger's Joker uh, very much being around terrorism and, and the fear that, you know, America um, and the world, but specifically America, was having um, about just people blowing things up so there's a lot of yeah. like explosions whereas uh whacking phoenix uh representation of the joker was about that sort of lone shooter that that mentally ill um person that would just sort of flip and uh, and start shooting people so i thought it was interesting to see how those the same character is used to rep- to reflect some of the fears that people had at the time yeah yeah, I, I get I, I get where you're coming from there. Um, it's interesting you say that because I feel like the Joker as a character anyway within the Batman comics has so many different facets and mm. depending on who's writing the Joker is presented in so many different ways. Um, and what I find is that the Heath Ledger Joker um, is more about... Um, like he's like an agent of chaos um and a an anarchist and he's is his motivations are very grand yeah and very um almost political like he he's nihilistic and he's anarchistic so he's um and to ground him they've taken away the kind of goofier side of it because the whole thing with nolan nolan wanted to ground it in reality like present batman in real life almost a little bit which is kind of what he's done here i guess yeah definitely um i feel like that's what he was trying to do anyway to ground batman in the real world but the joker here they've stripped away um the kind of goofier elements and the kind of um they've stripped away the joke (laughs) so there isn't a punchline anymore the joker is is just out to um to plunge gotham into chaos yeah and but i guess for him that is yeah. the joke that that the idea that we all have this sense of morality but the joke is it, it doesn't matter yeah. yeah and it's more like it's his, it's more like it, for him it's more but it feels more like a political ideology than a joke and then with um through this film anyway and then with the joker the joaquin phoenix joker um I think you've got more of a, um, like you said, like the loner 
um, downtrodden, um, ends up just completely flipping out. Yeah, in in yeah. your kind of um, oh, what's that film I'm thinking of? Michael Douglas in Falling Down. Oh, you ever watched God. Falling Down? No, I haven't. Oh, you should. It's great. Okay. Um, Michael Douglas is a he's he's a guy who um, he basically snaps on his way to work one day and he gets out of his car and leaves it in a traffic jam. And then he just goes on a rampage across the city, just like oh, knocking wow. shelves over in shops and stuff, just like because the Coke's like it goes. There's a famous scene where he goes into a shop and the Coca-Cola is too expensive. And uh, he just starts like um, picking up things and asking the shopkeeper how much it is and then going too expensive and throwing it on the floor. It's <laughs> like tearing the shop apart. It's kind of like a, a I guess it's like a dark comedy, but it's, it's that kind of I get that kind of feeling from the Joaquin Phoenix Joker. And yeah, I see that. Yeah, and it's it that leans more heavily into the um, the killing joke side of things. Yeah, because the killing joke, yeah. uh, I guess, is is more tied to Joker, uh, just because yeah. in terms of an origin story, you do see you see pre Joker and then you see him become the Joker, uh, yeah. and then I guess the in a in a sort of reverse way that the Dark Knight is is then. Because in the killing joke, he then he then goes into the idea of oh I'm gonna you know make yeah. Batman's day just the worst just to show that you're just like me, which is kind yeah. of what he's doing in the Dark Knight. Yeah, but it, it feels more like he wins in the Dark Knight because the end game is the yeah, of Harvey Dent. Yeah, he's he's corrupted the the brightest shining. He's he's corrupted the last bright shining light in Gotham. Yeah. Yeah, so, and he's taken that and he's smashed the ball in it and. Yeah, so I think that was like the end game for him was the corruption of Harvey Dent, and he achieved that. And it feels like he was a catalyst in the film. He he was supposedly a catalyst trying to push the corruption of Harvey Dent rather than his own, uh, rather than something as important. Like he's less important in that. That, that it, I think you understand what I'm trying to say. But I yeah, can't get I mean, words it's very out. much like uh, sort of I guess using Harvey Dent to represent that his his ideal of everyone is that yeah. you know one bad day away and uh yeah. very much succeeding uh in that yeah. quest even though he himself is at the end sort of taken into i assume he, was he taken into custody uh, do we see that um i assume he was yeah we assume he was just yeah. left hanging from the building wasn't he so i, I figured yeah. he was taken into custody after that and he'd have ended up in arkham but yeah yeah <laughs> okay and yeah yeah just i was just thinking as i was uh re-watching it and the idea that at the end of this the joker does kind of win and just looking at the way the world is now and uh, i mean if you're watching this like decades of watching uh, if you're listening to this decades later let me just remind you that we now live in a world where people are literally fighting or were fighting over toilet paper um so <laughs> I, I gotta think i see that and i gotta think yeah is was a joke right are we all just like is this idea of morality just like some farce that at the first sign of trouble we will fight over just the most non-essential uh, yeah. items uh, around. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I'm. I, I guess that's the that's the philosophy that he um, he peddles in that movie. Definitely, I yeah. I like to think I like to think as human beings sometimes we're better than that. <laughs> but <laughs> obviously, I've like been that. proven wrong now. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> well, you got you got that caveat. And sometimes we're better than that. Yeah. Sometimes we are, but yeah. sometimes we will like physically yeah. fight. I think we're all capable of it, uh, but some people lose sight of it. Yes. 
Yeah, because as as yeah. much as there was people fighting over toilet paper, there was plenty of people not. Yeah, yeah. and I just again, <laughs> record, just like to say, I was one of those people. Um, just yeah, just so people know, like in future future generations, yeah. I wasn't one of those people. Um, but um, just thinking about the idea of like you say, like we're all uh, like Tazzy, you say we're all capable uh, of that, and I feel that um, the Joker he he has this like larger mission to prove it but there's also a lot of points along the way where he does prove that even like so from the very beginning in the scene where they're robbing the bank you kind of see that uh, each each robber is killing the other and the instruction that they say they've been given is you know let this guy finish his part of the job and then kill him because they get a bigger share so you see it there you see it where he uh when the bounty is put on him and uh he gets people to carry him in the body bag and uh it turns out he's not dead and he he kills that mob boss um but then he captures his people breaks the 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 pool queue and then yeah. basically tells three people to fight because i've got one slot on my team fight to the death yeah fight to the death um we're going and... to have tryouts yeah <laughs> yeah um and then there's a scene uh, it's like a sort of small one, but when they're evacuating the hospital and uh, I think they're trying to figure out, or Bruce is trying to figure out all the officers that have family members uh, in uh, in care. Uh, yeah. yeah, and you see, like, it turns out uh, James Gordon is in the car with one of them and you sort of see how that person flips as well. So there's a lot of times along the uh, along the plot where he's kind of showing that that theory or putting that theory to the test and mm. a lot of times being proven uh, right yeah although to be fair when it does come to the the boat experiment where he, he wants people to blow each other up they don't do it yeah the in basically what he's doing is he's playing off the inherent selfishness of the human condition and he's trying to like he's trying to bring that to the forefront and prove that we are nothing more than base animals in the right yeah. conditions. Yeah. Yeah. But I guess I will take, you know, some um, pleasure from seeing people not <laughs> blow themselves up. Yeah. And, yeah. And in that's the end, a great scene. That is. Yeah. It's even because you've got two boats, you've got the one full of uh, just ordinary citizens and then you've one got full one prisoners. full of prisoners and it's the prison. Well, the one prisoner that makes a decision that, you know, we're not going to do yeah. this. And it turns out it's the, the one uh, citizen that wants to, but ultimately yeah. can't actually go through and take that responsibility. Yeah. I love that. I absolutely love that. Where he throws the switch off the boat. Yeah. 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 Crazy that was a scene. good moment. Yeah. Um, and so as well as just thinking about how the, how the Joker is represented uh, in 2008 versus uh, 2019's Joker, uh, I also realised that. So, I mean, Greg, you've sort of touched on on Joker being um, an anarchist and a nihilist, and yeah. Uh, initially, when I before I rewatched it, my thought was like, this Joker or Heath Ledger's Joker was just like crazy. Yeah, uh, it's actually not. He's actually very sort of planned and meticulous in his planning because yeah, yeah. a lot of what he does is is not because when you compare it to 2019 Joker, yeah where Whacking Phoenix plays a character that is essentially reacting to the conditions around him and where, snapping. Yeah, yeah. But Heath Ledger's Joker 
has planned all this to the point where he he planned the bank robbery he planned yeah. to get captured he, he planned everything and there's actually a scene or there's two scenes that kind of parallel each other where yeah if you remember when uh so when batman has to go get uh lao and yeah. he sort of breaks in uh and causes the explosion so he can get out yeah and joker does the same thing with, uh, with lao when he escapes he causes the explosion when everyone has the attention on him so he can get yeah. out yeah so they're both like very planned uh so yeah. this joker this heath ledger's joker is actually just just super methodical he just happens to be a anarchist and a nihilist yeah exactly yeah and he's um well he even says it in the film himself doesn't he He says he's ahead of the curve yeah yeah, yeah. um but like yeah I, I completely agree with that yeah and it's it again it's down to this thing where like each everyone who's ever played the joker has played the joker and represented one facet of the joker but the joker is actually all of those things mm so um he's like a distillation of all of it so you've got like the gimmick mobster um you've got the agent of chaos you've got the theatrical serial killer you've got all these different versions of joker um played by different people on the screen over the years um you know like the the clown prince of crime etc but like the joker is all of those things and he's the, the character itself is a distillation of all of those things. Like there are points in the comic where he is cold and methodical. There are points in the comic where he is, you know, like prone to bouts of whimsy and does like really silly things like dirigibles full of Joker gas and things like that. But it's just like he's he's the the character itself is the distillation of um like a mirror for society i guess is what he's supposed to be like like he yeah. is ref- he is supposed to supposedly showing society's true reflection um and i think the portrayal that comes closest to that is the heath ledger one yeah. and i think that's why for me it's the best one because the 2019 joker like I, it could be anybody well, anybody who's say- who's in under those conditions it doesn't have to just be right. Yeah, it, it it's not it's not a specific special someone who so you're saying has it a gift be, for this kind of chaos. It's you know it's just someone who's been put under serious pressure. And yeah, yeah, right. it's the one bad day thing, but it's the one bad day thing not accounting for the fact that um there already has to be an element of it there in the first place. Sure. Yeah, because in in the the 2019 Joker, he's a um. He's just a really tragic individual, isn't he? Rather than anything else. Yeah. But he, he's rather than being, and and he becomes he becomes cold and he becomes a villain. But rather than, um, I mean, he's not particularly a nice person anyway. Like he does some some quite sketchy things in that film anyway. But like from not being a, what am I trying to say here? <laughs> from the way the way um the yeah so so the in the difference is that he doesn't ever have the plan and the the nolan no. joker has the plan and the nolan joker is a better representation representation of the joker because of that and because he is um yeah it's it's because there has to be some of that there in the first place before the one bad day before it all goes to right, hell i guess in- like yeah. some of that in the person yeah, yeah. and yeah. yeah i guess the viking phoenix's joker is definitely uh yeah. 
yeah reacting is unpredictable because there's even yeah. a point where like towards the end he he makes you think like he's going to kill himself when he goes on that yeah uh on the show but he ends up <laughs> shooting the host and and just yeah. reacting in the moment in like an angry uh, angry rant um yeah uh, def- sorry oh, go ahead. <laughs> they're definitely like two very different uh different um sides of joker i like that um but also like i 2019 joker like i felt something for the joker like um and that's not the first time it's happened uh, i often feel like the joker's like just an unloved character you know <laughs> just need someone to see the good in him um but there's there's zero absolute zero of that in um the that one in who fledges yeah uh yeah. i feel nothing like you're just a villain you're evil yeah. <laughs> and you are, there's yeah. no but um which is the only i think like one of the few versions of the joker that i don't like see even like uh there was once good in you or a chance right. of good in you or there is good in you from someone's viewpoint with yeah, yeah with Heath Ledger's it's just like <laughs> it's just all bad I don't <laughs> yeah. it's just all bad <laughs> I, d- I don't like sympathizing with the Joker so I guess that's why I prefer the Heath Ledger Joker to the 2019 Joker <laughs> okay, that's, that's not the first time we've heard that though yeah yeah <laughs> I shouldn't be sympathizing with him. He's the Joker. Like, I guess I mean, to he's me, still a human. He, like, <laughs> he is, but yeah. <laughs> Somewhere under the makeup, he's still human. But I, yes. I guess, like, with the Heath Ledger joke, I, I, so I get what you're saying, Taz. Yeah, like you can't. It's hard to sympathize with him on a human level. And I feel, or at least for me, the the one thing I can at least hear the argument of is his argument about like everyone being one bad day and an idea uh, in terms of that whereas i guess the uh joking phoenix's joker is you could because you see his journey you it's easier to empathize uh with that but whereas um yeah the, the dark knight's joker is just that anarchist yeah. and and he even has that uh the one thing I, I really love i just love watching heath ledger in that performance obviously a tragic end uh, to that but um the one thing i really like is his explanation for the scars and how he comes up with like two different explanations just to cap the idea that like nothing matters so like, i'm just gonna give you these two different explanations and could it could be anything, anything. yeah he, he could have just done that to himself just to make himself look fierce yeah like it's it's a it's a thing where the joker um well this is again back to the killing joke like we don't know if that is the joker's true origin story or if it's just another fantasy of his or a lie that he tells yes um and that's pervasive throughout Mm -hmm. the heath ledger thing as well because he's telling these different stories and we don't know it it, well we know we don't know what's true and what's not he's just lying and in, in this film it's actually a way to psych out the people that he's about to cut because he he's you know like a snake staring down its prey <laughs> like that that kind yeah, of like yeah, hypnotic leer yeah, yeah he does that yeah. he's like look at me like he makes rachel look at him and stare him in the eyes before yeah. like you know and she doesn't want to and batman's telling her not to listen to him because he's doing it to psych her out mm. and and that's like 
like this hypnosis technique that he's got or something so yeah that's an interesting point and just again as um, as i was re-watching and just taking note of um the different scenes and uh where certain points start and end and i i know it's like because it's a long film it's like two and a half hours um mm. obviously since um since 2008 we've come more used to that but yeah at the time i think it was a long film and i noticed that it took so it took about like 40 minutes to to set things up story-wise which is quite a long time and i it it seems to like i feel like for for another film it wouldn't have worked but it seems to work here and christopher nolan seems to have been able to take 40 minutes to set up the pieces the players in the story before it kind of kicks into gear uh, and then everything just like escalates so I, I can't quite get my head around how he's done it but he's done it. i don't know if anyone uh, else knows that was aware of that um where the first 40 minutes are really just a lot of setup and it's a long time mm. to go for setting a film yeah yeah i can't remember the film being that long so i'm gonna go with it didn't feel like it was that long <laughs> and that's, but that's a good thing when you can't, yeah. when you you're not checking your watch and like oh, when they're going to get to it uh when they're going to get to like the real action it just is it, it all feels like a natural progression of the things that are happening uh in gotham but i just felt like it's just interesting from uh just i'm now observing this from kind of uh how is he structuring the story that yeah it, it took a long time for him to set up the different characters but yeah it all kind of works um so i guess one of the things i'm like always interested to know do people have any particular favorite scenes um or moments from the film like Tazzy, if you have anything you can remember. Um, this is not my favourite, uh, but definitely the scene that stands out the most in my memory would be yeah. the the um it it's like when the Joker visits uh Harvey Dent in the hospital. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's probably like the most vivid uh one that's like sort of stuck with me, I guess. Okay. I uh, I like that one too, where he's holding the gun to his head. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Any other favourite scenes, uh, Greg? Um, I like that one. I like the end scene with the face-off between Two-Face and Gordon and Batman. Okay. Um, I do like that. Like, the three of them, after making a vow to work together... Yeah, that's like good, the yeah, result uh, yeah. of that and, and how everything's just gone horribly <laughs> just wrong. Falling apart, totally. Yeah, the three of them at the end again, meeting up again, and how everything's completely changed and everything's fallen apart. Mm. Okay, I like that. Uh, yeah, I think I had a couple that kind of stuck in my mind. Is so the interrogation scene, um, which I just thought was great, and it was so well played by by both. Um, but in terms of again going to the, the theme. Uh, of the idea, uh, the theme of the story, and particularly the antagonist and protagonist in this story, and how they're so intertwined. And like for any sort of you know good story, really, you should have an antagonist that really attacks sort of the weakness of the protagonist. And there's a moment where I think uh, uh, Batman starts getting physical with Joker, and he and Joker says, you know, you can't hurt me. You, there's nothing. You've got nothing to hurt me with. There's nothing to do with all that strength. And it just shows that that meeting of the, the ideals where you've got the uh, Batman who's, you know, sort of strength and um, but to a point where he's not going to kill anyone. Mm-hmm. And the Joker knows yeah. this 
and his whole thing is I want to push you, but you can't, you can't do anything. Um, and then the Joker's trying to get him to break his one rule. Exactly. He's trying to goad him into doing it. You know, he's got a death wish. (laughs) So I just love that, uh, that moment when they, they meet and, uh, early on in the film, the introduction to the Joker or yeah, it was really the introduction because he, you see him in the robbery scene, but the scene where he enters, uh, with all the other criminals and the way, uh, the way he takes over essentially because he you've got this scene where you have all these like these hardened criminals uh they're all in there they're discussing the power is with them and then you see uh Lau, the, uh through the, the the screen and then you see like oh now the power is with him because everyone's listening to him and they're taking instructions from him and then the joker comes in and everyone's like who is this who's this guy who's this freak and that's what they call him but then he does the you know i'm gonna make the pencil disappear yeah. Yeah. And in the moment he does that, it changes. Like now we have to listen. Now he's got the power. I just love how he, he enters yeah. at the bottom and leaves on top. Completely captive audience after that. Yeah. Yeah. I um, love that. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. So yeah, there's a lot. And uh again, like I said at at the top, I, I feel it for me personally, like this is still the best uh comic book uh, movie although i really do enjoy uh, batman begins as well so um and i guess yeah the, the two that have come close for me are, are logan and uh joker so do you think or you might disagree with what i'm saying but uh let's just assume that do you think there'll be another comic book movie as good as the dark knight going forward I don't know because I feel like Logan. Is, I'm, I'm like you. I feel like Logan sits on the same level as the Dark Knight. Yeah. That's like a whole different thing. Um, but like, I am not sure if I feel like there will ever be anything as because there are good comic book films. I mean, the, the Marvel films are good popcorn films. They're good in a different way. Yeah. But I don't I don't know if there will be anything that is ever as good um on the, in the same way that the Dark Knight is good on a sort of like a a well-made like very um well constructed film. film. Yeah. yeah, in that way. And 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 doing that and and being rather than, you know, it's not just a com- it's a serious film with serious themes. Mm. It's not like a um I mean like the Avengers films are they're popcorn movies and they are out and out comic book movies. Yeah. And they, they have out and out comic book themes. Um, and they are grand and they are showy and everything else. But this, this is like a, a, you can take this film and and then you can put it on in, in the same kind of category as, uh, some other Nolan films. Hmm. Like, um, you know, it's a serious film with serious themes. And I don't think they're ever going to be able to take no one. I don't think anyone. I think people will struggle to take a comic book character or take comic book themes or a comic book story and adapt it in such a way that when it actually gets to the screen, it's um, it, it's that kind of serious film that can be taken seriously on a critical level rather than just being dismissed as another comic book movie. I mean, I, I hate the fact that comic movies are dismissed as comic book movies because they shouldn't be because they're not. No. But it's you know I, I i don't even feel like joker does it as well i i feel like the only two the only two great examples of it are logan and dark knight 
Yeah. Mm. And Logan's such such an epic film. Um, but they're it, both yes. kind of films that you can strip the 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 whole comic el- comic book element of it, take away um, the the powers and and wealth <laughs> involved <laughs> with creating these characters um and have i mean like and have a story that would fit without those comic book themes in it yeah you um, could strip out the fantasy and it would still be a great film and a great story yeah yeah, yeah. and someone coming in and watching these films that like don't like comic books don't like fantasy could still watch them even in the state they are um and enjoy it as like just a standalone uh film just without that that title of comic book um but i think it can be done again yeah yeah i think and i guess i yeah i think it can be done the only thing that gives me some uh skepticism and and before i say that i will say like like you said that i enjoy sort of the mcu and for me the the best cinema experience that I've had personally is watching Endgame um, in uh, in the cinema in, in California, like a packed cinema and on like, I don't know, the second day after it came out. That was like the best, just all the emotions, just roller coaster. But um, yeah, I still think Dark Knight stands uh, head and shoulders. But the thing that gives me sort of pause is just seeing how Disney are buying up sort of all the properties and kind of taking over and for me, that kind of restricts the the likelihood. Not to say it can't be done, but it it kind of reduces the likelihood of having that sort of standout, that just separate entity in terms of comic book uh, movie, where you had um, sort of Dark Knight again, not obviously not a Disney film, and uh, Logan being a Marvel property, but not a Disney made uh, film. And yeah, just the fact that Disney are kind of buying up everything is uh, gives me pause in that sense. But hopefully we will see sort of people take that approach to telling comic book stories where you can kind of sort of reduce it to the just the, the, the good principles of storytelling and, and, and the structure of a film and just make something that you don't have to be you know, super into comic book movies to uh, understand, to enjoy. So, yeah, fingers crossed, basically, is what I'm saying. Uh, fingers yeah. crossed. Um, so, yeah, uh, let us know what you think. Uh, if you have, you know, in this um, lockdown era, if you've, you know, managed to rewatch The Dark Knight or any of the other Nolan trilogy films, let us know what you think. Feedback at myamada.com. Uh, so we're going to go into our story tip right now. And like I said, I want to sort of pick something out that I felt from a storytelling perspective was worth considering for people who are uh, creating their own stories. And I think with a Batman film, with a you know a film with Batman and Joker, you kind of have to talk about the idea of creating uh, a villain. And not just creating a villain, but creating creating a villain that's right for your particular hero. And I feel what makes this film so good is you have your protagonist in um, Bruce Wayne, uh, Batman, and your antagonist in the Joker. And the Joker, like we mentioned, is is so good at attacking um, Batman's weakness. So you've got a few things where for one the idea of duality works with the protagonist and antagonist and they are essentially binary opposites of each other where batman represents order 
uh, and Joker chaos. So again, you've got your hero and protagonist on op- opposing sides of sides of an ideal. And uh, I'll probably talk about this in, in another um, sort of podcast episode in more depth. But uh, what is really good in The Dark Knight is this idea of like four corner opposition where you've got not just the antagonist and protagonist, but uh, you've got other characters that represent different shades of the ideal. And in this case, you've also got Harvey Dent and Commissioner Gordon. So in terms of um, creating a villain, uh, you've also got an antagonist that uh, pushes the the protagonist into hard choices. So in this film, you have the idea of uh, Joker, for example, demanding that Batman uh, reveal himself, otherwise he'll be killing people, and that forces sort of Bruce Wayne to act. Um, and obviously, like Harvey Dent, sort of takes that decision, but it's kind of the idea of the antagonist forcing. Um, the protagonist into hard, hard choices and that's how your protagonist is going to learn and, and progress over that uh, story arc. arc. Uh, and then again the idea of conflict and not just uh, physical conflict but conflict on the basis of ideals so again with this order versus chaos uh, kind of represents the the ideal that they're fighting for, um, but also that they're fighting for the same goal. And this is also spoken by the Joker towards the end in terms of the battle for Gotham's soul. So when you're creating your protagonist, it's important to keep that in mind that they, so when you're creating your protagonist and antagonist, it's important to keep that in mind because they must be competing for the same goal. So they can't both get what they want. And that's where you get your, uh, good and interesting conflict in the story so yeah I just feel like uh, creating a villain is so important and the Joker is such a great villain not just because of you know the, the acting is great the, the look is great the behavior is great but he just fits so well for this particular uh, protagonist um, and I think when keeping that in mind it, it it means that you don't necessarily have to go with you know as we're talking about comic book movies you don't have to go with the you know save the world like grand scale plot uh, which sometimes can sort of be a bit reductive in the sense that it's hard to wrap your head around you know the world's going to blow up or the universe is going to blow up but when you reduce it to this kind of um uh like battle of ideals you can make it relatively small scale uh, and in this case you've got you know it all leads up to the idea of these two fairies um you know the joker wanting to blow them up which you know in the grand scheme of things is quite small but because it fits so well for these particular protagonists and antagonists and the themes of the story, it's really compelling. Uh, so, yeah, just a few things to remember there. So when you're creating your own stories, you want to remember or just think about what your film is really about, what ideals it represents and how your protagonist and antagonist uh, reflect uh, the two sides of those ideals. You want to think about having your, protag- your antagonist continuously push your protagonists in into harder and harder choices over the course of your story and then remember that conflict doesn't just mean physical conflict um, it should relate to the themes uh, of your story so yeah just some things to remember there um, yeah let us know what you think about that if you're writing your own story how have you designed your villain to sort of compete with your hero um, yeah feedback at mayamada.com so we kind of come to the end of our Batman discussion. Let's find a bit more about what our guest has been up to. Um, so 
yeah uh i i make podcasts about comics <laughs> um i we we do like um huge discussions about comic books and things like that uh you can find us over at ace comicals um all the same places you can find this podcast fully enough like <laughs> itunes and stitcher and everything else and uh spotify and, and the like um also actually um i've started making t-shirts as well <laughs> so Ooh. yeah um i i have a threadless shop there's only two designs on there at the moment there's the ace comicals logo and then there's um the loft dwellers jack-o-lantern um if you've ever listened to ace comicals which i fully doubt uh, <laughs> you will you never know yeah we're you gonna have heard... see if we can make it happen now yeah you will have um you will have heard me sort of like read out some short horror stories that i've written and um also when i do halloween uh halloween episodes halloween specials and things like that i i I like I like the idea of horror hosting, you know, like the old school horror hosts where they go on TV and they introduce a horror movie kind of Crypt Keeper style, that kind of stuff. Um, so I kind of decided why not do that on my podcast. So I've begun developing this character called the the uh, the loft dweller, uh, <laughs> who is like the horror host <laughs> of Ace Comicals. So, uh, yeah, I've got like this um, this kind of like logo, this hand holding a uh a jack-o'-lantern that's the loft dwellers jack-o'-lantern and then also there's the the straight up ace comicals logo which is on there now as well you can buy it on sweatshirts hoodies t-shirts magnets stickers you know a lot of different things that threadless print on so and uh, also keep your eyes peeled because there will be more designs going up soon and that's acecomicals.threadless.com um so next up is our listeners feedback and questions um so these are from our previous episode we were discussing uh, the ps5 and the xbox series x um, and we did ask uh if our guests had changed their views since um i don't know whose handle is what so we're just going to go with the handle um, so uh, Black Umar at Black Umara on Twitter. I think that was someone from Streamcast. I can't remember who, but someone from Streamcast. Yeah, I don't remember everyone's handles off my heart. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, my stance has not changed. In fact. Uh, <laughs> yes. Um, Andy underscore AA on Twitter. New um, interesting controller or not i'm a playstation fan forever got my one two three and four just sitting here waiting for the five hashtag for the players i'm gonna guess that's annabelle yeah <laughs> I never loyalty. <laughs> do, you, do you not think the pad looks like one of the things from portal oh yeah um... I... I thought that I don't mind it, but I did think the the design of the pad makes me think it's ready to go and collect the Infinity Stones uh, with the Avengers. <laughs> I feel uh, I I I get portal vibes it, from it. I, mean, like, I thought it was an Xbox controller wearing a vest top. <laughs> <laughs> like 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 this this whole idea of like a wolf wearing a sheep's like dressed yeah. as a sheep, just well, like sticking out like a sore thumb in amongst all the sheep. You've got like this this like field full of xbox controllers with like maybe i don't know like the dog in this scenario like the sheep dog would probably be like a little nintendo switch when they're both docked on the 
because <laughs> it looks like a dog with wonky eyes when when both the things are docked on the the pad holder so that's the sheet dog and that's like running around the outside but then like sticking out in the middle you've got like this undercover like playstation pad pretending to yeah. be an xbox pad just like someone like a wolf in sheep's clothing that illustration <laughs> i want to see that art if anyone uh, wants to uh, send that in to us that'd be great <laughs> Um, and at Alan one one four nine seven three eight seven. It's like a bank That's, number. Yeah. code. As for the look of it, not really a fan. It looks bulky, but I don't want to give a final opinion opinion until I get my hands on it properly, which is That's sensible. Yeah, I like that. Um. Yeah, so that's what we had on our previous um, episode. I'm going to add my little two cents in here. (laughs) So I was previously like, yeah, I'm going to get a PS5 because I have an Xbox One and, you know, Xbox are doing this whole like ecosystem. So you're not missing out if you're on an older console. Um, And I was like, yeah, PS5 is going to be backwards compatible. So I'll do it. Like I missed out this generation. So why not? Um. I found out that it was like misreported uh, and the backwards compatibility is not how I previously thought. Uh, it's not 100%. Uh-huh. Yeah. So uh, I'm probably not going to get the next generation for a little while, uh, but I'm now more likely to get a Series X just because I love my Xbox. I'm probably newer do a new one anyway um so i might as well like upgrade it uh, and then just get like a cheap ps4 so i can play all the previous <laughs> ones i missed out on since they're okay. all single player story games anyway it doesn't matter when i consume them so all right uh, hopefully crossplay will be a thing as well so <laughs> um so we do have some questions about this episode as well uh or- and it is for our very loyal listener, Kawhi Prince MH on Instagram. Um, how do your thoughts of Batman: The Dark Knight compare to the other two films in the trilogy? Yeah, I guess we kind of we put our cards. So I I think it's the best with Batman Begins second and Dark Knight Rises third. I'm 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 kind of on that page too because I mean like my cards have been face up since the beginning of this podcast yeah. anyway <laughs> so yeah I mean like this is the best one but yeah um it's it's yeah I I have the same ranking as you so yeah okay yeah I'm the only odd one out so I mean I think I've already said it but it just goes in the order of the trilogy Batman Begins Dark Knight and then yeah dark knight rises at the end with uh i probably need to go back and watch that i mean i have gone back and watched it since i fell asleep in the cinema like I'm, <laughs> i mean but it's still i was still like oh, okay yeah i understand why i would have fallen asleep like for Bruce Wayne, the more you dislike the film <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, <laughs> And the, there is another question. Uh, what do you think about how part of the filming was filmed in our home city, London? So I didn't know this. Is this true? Apparently, yeah. Oh. Um, Wayne Manor's in, in England. Cool. That's unsurprising. 
Yeah, Cause... I'm going to so look it... this up now, actually. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure it is. Hold on. Um... Okay, we're going we're gonna to fact check this. I, I think that's great because I didn't mm. know that and I learned something today, which is always good. Uh, well, Greg's fact check in that. <laughs> Like um, it, it. I suppose when you work in extras, like, oh, it's, uh, you. That is the wrong term for it, by the way, as well. But supporting well, artists. Oh, um, supporting artists. Yeah. Um. Like, uh, I don't know. It's just kind of normal. Um. A lot of filming is done in the UK. Uh, we have we have some great like uh properties and buildings and landscapes so a lot of filming is done in the uk uh yeah. particularly wales it's a big spot um and like greenwich big spot i mean i think everyone knows that uh there's a lot of uh blackwall tunnel leading to the most random places <laughs> yeah i i was right about i was wait about right about white way manor being in the uk Cool. Um, it's um, Wallerton Hall, uh, which is in Nottingham, which I actually now remember having a conversation because my dad sent me a picture of it. He said, I've been to Wayne Manor and I was very jealous. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's in Nottingham. It's Wall- yeah, it's Wallerton Hall and it was in the full trilogy and they even filmed other scenes there. There was like a garden party scene that was filmed there. They constructed a graveyard in the grounds. Mm. So yeah, if you want to you wanna see the real Wayne Manor, go to Wallerton <laughs> Hall in Nottingham. <laughs> Um, yeah, so that's that's all of our takes on that. That is a, it for our questions. Um, if you do want to leave any feedback or questions about this episode or any of our future episodes, make sure you are following us on Twitter at MayaMada, on Instagram at MayaMadaTees or at Tazzy on both. And you can also email us um, feedback at MayaMada.com. Oh, so yeah, we sadly come to the end of this uh, discussion. I was really enjoyed that. Um, yeah, thanks for being on the show, Greg. Yeah, it's really great to be here. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, nice to meet you all, by the way. And um, yeah, I'm gonna have to get uh, you guys over on Ace Comicals because actually, coming out of this, I think because you said you hadn't read the the, the Long Halloween yet, so that what I figured we a should true do. Statement. Yeah, I figure you should read the Long Halloween and then you should come over to Ace Comicals. We can have that discussion. Like I've that. literally just added it while we were <laughs> yeah. on the podcast. <laughs> I'm really trying to like everyone that comes on, I'm really trying to take like a suggestion from them, especially yeah. when it comes to comic books. Um, so yeah, because I've okay. not read much and I want to up that. Let's do that. Yeah, definitely. Right. Cool. So yeah, look out for that. Um, and yeah, again, uh, you can find our podcast where podcasts live. Um, subscribe to us I also found out you can actually because we're on anchor you can leave a voicemail so if you want to follow the anchor link to the show leave a voicemail Uh, I do not guarantee it will get read on but uh, you know those are the chances you take in life Uh, you can also share our podcasts leave reviews uh, help us spread the word Uh, we are also manga makers you can catch all our manga stories at mayamada.com forward slash manga uh, and as i mentioned earlier in the show we are working on having some gamepad news in, in may so one of the next shows coming up we'll talk a bit more uh, about that 
Uh, our next show in particular is a behind a behind the story episode uh, where we'll be talking with uh, Renee uh, Rientes, a comic artist from the Netherlands, about her work, conventions and storytelling tips. Once again, our email address is feedback at mayamada.com. You can also check out the website to listen and subscribe to all our podcast episodes. That's mymatter.com forward slash story X story. Until next time, stay tuned, stay inside as well, and stay safe. Wash your hands. Yeah, always. <laughs> <laughs>